0: Welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is Babette Pluim, and I'm at the ABN AMRO World Tennis Tournament in Rotterdam with uh, Chris Sveer, ATP sports physiotherapist. It's a pleasure to have you here, Chris.
1: Uh, Likewise, it's a pleasure.
0: Since how long have you worked on the ATP tour?
1: I've worked on the ATP tour for 10 seasons.
0: 10 seasons? Is that 10 years? 10 years, yeah. 10 years. And what are the main injuries that you see on the tour?
1: I don't think we have one main injury, Uh, I would say we have a lot of different ones from lower limb, upper limb, Uh, in general I would say a lot of back issues and um, yeah depends a little bit uh, what type of service or what where we are Uh, but in general we see a lot uh, as I say lower limb, upper limb, almost everything.
0: All types, all types and sorts of injuries.
1: All types and all sorts of injuries, and mainly what we see are the acute injuries that could be still uh, that where you still could be playing with. Uh, if it's like a, a, a big trauma, obviously they go off tour, go back home, and do their surgery or rehab. And then when they come back in the stage of you know competition, then we pick up on them again and try to help them to do the last part. Really, be back on tour.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also work in clinical practice um, in um, in Amsterdam, I believe. Mm-hmm. What is the difference of treating patients in clinical practice and treating players on the ATP tour?
1: And the main difference is that on the tour, uh, we are looking more for fast solutions because a lot of players have pain and they want to be solved in a few hours. In in next day, so they want to uh, play optimal without pain or without a handicap or like that. So you're, you're treating more for short term solution without always the expectation to really cure something, but mm-hmm. just to relieve some pain or release some, uh, some handicap. While in the clinic, probably you would have your scope a little bit larger and just try to really fix the problem for the long term. So you take it a little bit slower steps there and really um, emphasize a little bit more on uh, uh, on exercises and uh, and stuff that for the longer duration.
0: And you say in the clinic more exercises. So what kind of things do you do more on the on the tour?
1: On the tour, it, it's in on the start a lot of hands-on. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of hands-on stuff happens to to quickly release some tension or some pain and on top of that obviously we give some exercise to see if we can improve some some stuff but a lot of that is uh, uh, we work together with uh, with their personal strength and conditioning coaches or sometimes with their personal personal physiotherapist or in in uh, together with uh, with the doctors they have um, but mainly what we do is try to do do the short-term relief, get them through a match or get them through a tournament and see if we can get them to the next moment where they really have some time to do rehab work or it's just a minor thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of injuries can happen, for instance, with travelling. You know, you play a match and you travel halfway over the world like eight hours in a plane, you couldn't have a backache, which is very unfortunate. But if you have to play tennis and it's annoying you, yeah, it's a, it's something that needs to be dealt yeah. with quickly and that's what we do a lot
0: okay and if you could you indicate what the top three skills or tools are that you need to have as a, as a sports physiotherapist on the ATP tour
1: um, I think uh, for instance to start with you have to be a good physiotherapist so you have to have a good basic knowledge of uh, of the job uh, you have to have a good manual skill set mm-hmm. uh, and then on top of that I think you have to be uh uh, sort of um, a manager of the of the tour basically we are the guys who travel with with the players and uh, the, the other part of the medical team the massage guys or the local physiotherapists or the doctors change so a lot of the players will come to us first to ask something so you have to manage that kind of uh, manage that kind of thing and uh, I think you have to be you have to have a personality where you can uh, can communicate with a lot of different people from a lot of different countries and that is in the player group itself but also the different cultures that exist in the medicine and, and the sports medicine field around the world so you're sort of the the main link between the local medical culture mm-hmm. and the players uh, for the for the medical department so it's just a little bit more than only being skilled and doing your job as a physiotherapist it has to do with some and and I think Sort of a part skill is a lot of the small stuff, which has to do with the special tapes, uh, being able to do some nail stuff or some, some blisters, which is not really typical physiotherapy, but when you are in a place where nobody is available to do that, then it's really a great help that you can you know solve those kinds. You know, small problems, skin and this kind of mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. yeah.
0: And um, the cultural difference uh, how differences, how do you deal with that? Because I noticed, I saw you today speak Spanish, I saw you speak Italian, you're speaking English, you speak Dutch.
1: Well, I think that's another a good skill to have, is to be multilingual. In the end, if you, if you are good in English, then normally we, we, we survive with that everybody speaks English, it's, it's the common language. But yeah, if you speak more languages, then some people feel more comfortable. Uh, and I think to be aware of some cultural differences in how people talk to doctors or how people explain their problems or what they're used to at home, like certain kind of medication, certain kind of treatments. Um, yeah, I think you, you should be aware Or in, in 10 years, you obviously learn and uh, that will help you a lot to uh, get a better... You, you can treat people better and also uh, avoid that they, that they sometimes get disappointed that a guy, let's say, from Japan is here in Europe and expects some kind of treatment that we don't have in Europe. That if you, if you are aware of that, you already can manage a little bit better the, mm-hmm. the, the expectancy of player and uh, physicians and everybody else so that uh, the whole thing goes a little bit smoother than just let it be a culture shock or culture clash.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you could you elaborate a little bit on that? Because you gave a perfect example today when we talked about uh, Voltaren or Diculofanac by injection or by by oral treatment.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, in, in some countries it's it's more common to do injections. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in some others it's not. So if you are from the country where the doctor would say, well, we inject uh, the Voltaren rather Mm -hmm. quickly, then obviously when you come to another place and say, well, I have a pain, I need the Voltaren injection, and in that country it's not a common practice, then suddenly there is some kind of difference and then it could be a trust issue with the doctor. And I think if you know this already, then if the player already asks you, okay, uh, you, can, it, anticipate, yeah, you can anticipate. Yeah, you can anticipate. And if the player already asks, oh, "Could you get an injection?" then probably you can take that away already and don't just say, "I'll go to the doctor and have there a confrontation," or you know,
0: hmm.
1: let the doctor uh, let the doctor be out to dry and explain why. So I mean, and as yeah. I say, because we travel with the guys the whole year through, they basically trust us. So once we already say, "Well, it might be not advisable in this case or whatever," then we already can uh, can help you know the whole process go along a little bit better.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that you have a big team around you today. You have four or five physiotherapists. You are with two people from the ATP tour. What are the main strengths of the medical staff of the ATP tour?
1: I would it uh, our main strength is actually that we are all from different part of the world. Mm-hmm. We have people from well, the Netherlands, Germany, France, from uh, from Japan from south america from argentina from the states from australia and i think from all those everybody brings something with them from their cultural background and also from their physical physical physiotherapy background or their medical background and um, i find that uh, we have these meetings twice a year and then we talk a lot about our personal experience and what we get from our personal countries Uh, that we get a lot of information rather quickly. So when there is, for instance, a research paper coming out in Japan, then normally it would take some time to trickle down maybe to Europe, but then our Japanese colleagues say, wow, this is this new hot thing in Japan, and suddenly we already know. So that's a good thing, and we, try to, you know, make our skills better altogether. I think that's the main strength that we have. And then as I just, this, you asked me about what kind of persons you are, all the people in our group are very good communicators and very good managers. So it also means that we do that amongst each other. And I think we're pretty good in, you know, uh, if you go from one tournament to the next tournament, and it's not a per se you that's traveling with the player, but they go to your colleague, that we have a really good way of explaining and, and knowing, you know, handing on the player from one colleague to the next. So it's a pretty smooth uh, transition in, in that, in that yeah. sense.
0: And in May you will have a meeting with the ATP um, ATP medical staff, but also with the ITF, WTA staff and the Society for Tennis Medicine in Rome. What is the role of that meeting for you?
1: Oh, I think the, the and that's actually why, we, coming back to what you asked, I think because we have those meetings, that's why we can build up our strength in, in what we have. And then, as you said, it's not only us, but it's also the WTA. So you mix in all the things. And tennis is a really international sport with a lot of doctors from all around the world. And it's sort of like a lot of, because it's a sort of nice, small community, everybody gives a peek in their kitchen and uh, I think uh, that, that's it has a sort of a pivotal role those kind of meetings not only for physiotherapists but you know the physiotherapist and doctor and you really let the doctors look in your kitchen and they let us look in their kitchen and I think that's why we get stronger pretty fast because we have meetings like that and uh, yeah, really try to help each other, because a lot of those people who come to those meetings are also tournament physicians. So in the end, mm-hmm. you know, it's to build the strength of the of the, the medical care on tour.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're you're have always been an advocate of ad- evidence-based medicine. Is there is there a place for evidence-based medicine on the tour, or is it is the pressure difficult to um, to withstand when? alternative?
1: Well, I think there is a place for both. Uh, I think uh, in the end, as I said, uh, if one of the skills is that you have to have a sound basis of your job, you have to have a sound basis which obviously is evidence-based medicine. But from, if you have a sound basis, then from there you can maybe branch out in certain cases and say, well, you know, along this uh, evidence. If I go in the same direction, maybe it's not proven, but I can imagine it works, then at least you have some guidance, even if you go a little bit out of the scope of evidence-based. I think if you have no basis at all, then you just branch out to everything, and then it becomes a little bit messy. So, it's sort of, the evidence-based gives a guidance, a boundary, and... On top of that, you can obviously, because the pressure is high, mm-hmm. sometimes you experiment. It's maybe not a good word, but a little bit, you know, on the boundaries where you can say, well, this might help. But I think the evidence base is a good place to have this basis where you can fall back on because that, that's really what you need. Because if you have nothing, then suddenly, you know, everything is is, is going and that could be harmful for the players. Mm-hmm.
0: So. And also, it seems that more players are travelling these days with physiotherapists or with, well, certainly with with coaches, but also with strength and condition trainers. Um, is that something you have noticed, or do you, th- do you see a role for a physiotherapist <coughs> with a player?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, for sure, the 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 amount of staff that players travel with uh, personally has increased a lot. I think in general, it's it's good. Uh, if you look just at the average age of the players in the top hundred, it it's increased a lot. A lot of players who are still playing and doing really well are over 30. So it means they the investment in their body and in their strength and condition must pay off. Uh, I think um, that there is a place for everybody. And as I come back, it's we have a sort of a central role because we know everybody. We're always there, uh, but. I would say all these people are helping us and we are helping them Mm -hmm. to make the players stronger. So, yeah, in in general it it increased, but I think for the better and everybody in the end gets more time as long as we we keep communicating and have the same goal to make the players healthy or let them stay healthy so they can play the best tennis and that's uh, the most important thing to do.
0: Mm. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything else you would like to to add for our listeners?
1: No, I hope they enjoyed the interview and uh, come watch tennis. It's a great sport. So, uh, and I hope that I can let the players be uh, injury-free, so you can enjoy the matches.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: Okay, you're welcome.